Welcome to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. This is where we discuss the refinishing industry, interview owners and operators, and give tips to customers and entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, Daniel Montalvo. What is up, everybody? I have the other half of the bathtub guys, because it's plural, it's not singular, guys. There's two of us, and he's finally making the grand reveal. Alexander Montalvo. Oh, nice. Thank you (laughs) for that warm introduction. So, uh, basically, for those of you who don't know, it's my brother, Alex. And I figured today would be a good day. To kind of get on, um, let me go ahead and kind of zoom in. So it'd be a good day for me to get on and kind of interview him since he, I always kind of handled the administrative side of things. He always kind of handled the field side of things. So I figured today would be a good day uh, to ask him some stuff about his experiences working on the field. So we're going to go ahead and do the full shot here. I'm going to kind of Ask the question, and then we're going to zoom into you for the answers. All right. All right. So just kind of like summarize basically what your day-to-day was like when you were doing bathtub refinishing and kind of go through the process that we have that we've developed over time just so people get an idea of what we do. Um, yeah, well... Uh, I've been in this business for uh, about eight years now. I started doing this when I was 16. Um, and that being said, I was doing a lot of prep work when I started, just learning how to sand, learning how to remove old material, vacuum, stuff like that, basically a lot of grub work. Um, you know, the more you learn, the better you get at prepping. Eventually, you become a sprayer, um, and that, you know, you make a little more money. You have a little more freedom, um, especially if you're, you know, you're doing jobs on your by yourself and stuff like that. Uh, you, the good thing I like about it is, you know, you're you're setting like a certain uh, standard of quality that you have to uphold yourself to when you become a sprayer, right? Like you want to be consistent. You want to get to that point where you do it well, you know, on a day to day basis. You want to minimize mistakes, stuff like that. Um, and you know, you, you, like, again, like I said, you have that freedom, you know, where you basically, you decide your own schedule. You can drag a job out that'll last, you know, hours and hours, or you can do it in a couple hours, you know? Um, but it wasn't bad. The main thing for me was just being exposed to a lot of harmful chemicals over Mm -hmm. time that it adds up, you know? Um, even now I have breathing issues because of it, but a lot of the times I wasn't really safe, as safe as I should have been. I didn't really take the precautions that I should have, um, you know, and, we, and it's it's also hard because you got to remember, like, we're in fucking Florida. So, like, Florida is super hot and humid, and sometimes yeah. it's just uncomfortable to have all the gear on that you should have. Like, keep in mind, like, residential-wise or, like, if you're doing this at a hotel, it's not going to harm guests. It's really just constant having it every yeah, day. Yeah, like, exactly. It. That consistent exposure just adds up over time. Exactly. It's the same thing as anything. I mean, if someone's painting a room with, you know, regular water-based paint that you'd get at Home Depot... I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, uh, you know, harm you. But if you're in there inhaling it every single day, then it's a different thing. You know, it'll start affecting your health. Yeah, or or like something like Auto Body, for instance. Like you know, th- we use you know similar materials. We use a compressor, and it's we're exposed to fumes. You know, it's not just paint. It's not like just water-based paint, oil-based paint. It's it's 
with air, you know, blasted throughout it. So you get those fumes exposed in the air. And the thing is, like, I would find myself constantly, like, because not just because of the heat and stuff, but, you know, I sweat a lot. And with those masks with those rubber seals around them, they they get, you know, they trap in that heat. So if, you know, you're walking in and out of a house, um, it does get hot. And sometimes I'll find myself going back in there to do little touch-ups or doing you know, caulking or something, and I wouldn't have my mask on, which was a huge mistake. You know, you need those respirators. They're a big, big thing of it. Yeah, and, and you got to remember also, like, the overspray. I mean, we obviously take precautions and stuff, but the smell and stuff lingers, and that stuff is really, really thin once it's in the particle phase, and it can get into your system and harm you. So, like, that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, we kind of cut the, you know, that side of your job short, and we're trying to kind of get you more into this side because, you know, doing this shit for eight years and like putting yourself on the line is yeah and then there's ways to do it where it's manageable you know like you know you it's just about taking the precautions and being safe exactly i wasn't really thinking about my health when i was doing it every day yeah you got to remember he started when he was 16 so i mean yeah you're thinking about different things at at those ages yeah seriously so um like in general what would you say like to a customer being that you were like in the side of like, you know, this is your day to day. You know what this stuff is in and out. You know the process. You know how well this stuff can actually bond to a surface. So, what would you say are some pros and cons of a residential customer getting their bathtub refinished or tile or whatever it be? I mean, there's there's a ton of advantages. Um, obviously, it's a lot more cost efficient than replacing a tub. Uh, you know, the thing about porcelain tubs, they're, they're good, you know, they're solid, you know, they're, they're, they're reliable and they'll last a long time. Um, but you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll hire someone to come into the house or something. They end up chipping it or a plumber ends up dropping a tool and up messing it up or even just exposed, uh, moisture over time can lead to rust and other issues. Uh, just sealing it creates a barrier between, you know, exposure to moisture, exposure to mildew, you know, all those elements that can damage a tub over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it creates that barrier, it seals, it protects, it keeps it easier to clean, make, just easier to maintain overall. Um, you know, with the material we use, it's super water resistant, so it doesn't allow, you know, water to pool up the way that it would normally. Um, it's almost like a repellent, uh, it's similar to what they use to, like, refinish the sur- uh, outside surface of boats. So it's literally meant to repel water. There's, you know, there's a ton of advantages to it. Um, you know, rather than replacing, it could take, you know, weeks and weeks of time, not to mention thousands of dollars. This is super cost effective. And, you know, we get in there in a matter of hours, 24 hours, you can use it again. You know, there's a ton of advantages. Um, and not, you know, it's not only tubs, we do tiles, uh, countertops, yeah, all types and, of surfaces. And it's not just, you know, like the function of it. Also, aesthetically, it looks nicer if you have a... It looks a, a lot nicer, And yep. if, you, if you're in Florida where, like, people have those old, uh, like, pink green blue bathtubs yeah, especially by the beach you have these houses that were built in the 70s 60s and they were just they had all these psychedelic colors yeah yeah (laughs) so and then and then so like what would you say is a disadvantage be it like you know if there's a scenario where it's too far gone and then you know you could kind of explain why refinishing wouldn't be the best option in certain scenarios yeah there are certain instances where um this, just the structural integrity of the tub would be completely gone. You know, there's instances where there's just there's a broken pipe or something and moisture just got underneath there for too long. Or a lot of times you have these uh, these tub liners where they come and basically put uh, fiberglass or plastic 
molding over your tub and those you know they put up they put a fake drain in there and then moisture water and it just builds up over there under time and it'll cause it'll cause massive rust damage you know water just being exposed to there you know especially it's not a complete seal there's a gap in between that means air is getting in there oxygen and moisture just lead to rust you know so uh when something's that far gone um you know there's there's only certain things we can do to uh to try to, you know, replenish that structural integrity. We try to fill it with foam, you know, a high-density foam. Um, uh, we also use fiberglass, uh, layers of Bondo glass, you know, body-filling compound that has fiberglass inside of it as, as well as fiberglass sheets. We can try to build it as much as we can. Um, but, you know, if some, sometimes it's just too far gone, and at that point we just recommend to replace it. Um, you know, we can make it look nice. Uh, that being said, it's most likely going to be a temporary fix. Um it's very hard to to bring something back when it's completely rotted out, especially if there's no there's no uh, good metal to get to. You know, we try to get away all the all the compromised metal and everything, but uh, there's nothing that we can actually uh, we can actually rebuild or something that can hold withstand. You know, the the pressure from the water, the pressure from somebody actually standing on it. A lot of times, it's just safer because we can do a patch job, and if there's a rusted hole in there, someone's foot can go right through, and that's mm -hmm. a huge liability for us. And you know, we don't want to hurt anybody either. You know, we'd much rather be honest with somebody up front if there's an instance where we can't do anything, um, rather than just trying to patch it. You know, for the yeah. quick buck or whatever. Yeah, and and I've had instances. This is like for people who are in the refinishing world. I've had instances where I've pulled them out of jobs because we've just seen that the tub is too far gone, and like can't really be afraid to do it. It's going to cause more problems in the future if you do do it and you lie to people and you tell them that everything's going to be fine. So, like, it's always a good rule of thumb to, like, you know, for people who do this kind of work, if it's something that you have to question whether or not you can do it, you would probably be better off just not doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, within reason. I mean, if you're new and you just got into this and, like, you just come up with a little problem, I mean... You know, you're not going to say no over a chip, but if you see that the tub is like substantially rusting, rusting from the inside out, where you see like the rust protruding, you know, from the other side of the tub up, I mean, there's no way to stop that type of rust. There's no way to stop. Yeah, uh, like we know. can do things to uh, to limit, you know, any spreading, or you know, we can we can try to reinforce underneath to try to you know make sure it doesn't crack or at least as easily over time, but. You know, we're very limited to what we can actually do once the metal itself is actually compromised. And usually when you see surface rust, it's because it started underneath and it completely rusted through, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and then another another thing that I kind of wanted you to talk about is, like, you know, because we're talking about disadvantages right now. Obviously, there's a lot of advantages he had mentioned, but, like, some other disadvantages that I kind of want you to touch on because I know that you've encountered it, um, you know, people with fiberglass tubs in general. Um and, you know, repairing those and how, you know, you really are limited by a lot of factors like how the house was built, if there's any support under there, uh, you know, how, what kind of crack, yeah. how old the fiberglass is. So how kind old of touch it is, on even that. the manufacturer of the fiberglass, because there's, there's different ones, different levels of thickness, you know, and we've, we've encountered jobs where, you know, the fiberglass is so old and worn out, you know, they've used harmful chemicals over time and it's just... It's made it not only thinned out the fiberglass itself, but made it so brittle that even if you repair it, you know, you dremel it out, you reinforce it as best as you can. You basically re rebuild it with fiberglass, fiberglass sheets, that is. It eventually, even if you 
you know, solidify one solid space in as best as you can and it's structurally sound, more than likely that's going to reroute to somewhere else because it's yep. just, it's already compromised throughout the entire thing. And fiberglass, it's, it's very tricky because, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to make it look nice, but when it comes to how, uh, how, you know, sturdy it can be, um, uh, it really deteriorates over time. Yeah. That's something that you don't see with metal as much as long as it's not exposed to rust, you know? Yeah. And the other thing about fiberglass that you got to remember, this is like more for people who are like in the refinishing industry, obviously. You you kind of, you got to see how bad the crack is and kind of determine like, is this something that, like he said, happened over time due to it like being degraded? Like, you know, or if it's something that happened, like someone dropped like a tool or something in there. Yeah. And depending on how it is, you you want to kind of break the surface tension, drilling holes and stuff. Because if you don't drill holes where the surface tension is and you don't stop it there, mm-hmm. you could patch it up, but you're just going to end up rerouting the crack yeah. to another place. Yeah, that's with any crack. You usually want to drill it at the ends to, to stop the crack before it spreads anywhere further. Um, yeah. And you want to dremel it out, you know, create almost like a little canal for your body fill to sit in. Yeah. So that way, you know, you you create like a... Yeah, it's almost like a little canal, and you're bridging it together. It's like a like stitches almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, for customers out there who might have like a fiberglass tub or something like that that's cracked, um, you know, th- this is part of the reason why it's difficult to warranty these types of things. And some people think that we're just you know trying to fucking take advantage of them. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like. You know, there are a lot of variables that come into play. Yeah, when, exactly. it's a lot easier to determine. You know, if we can, you know, do something warranty at everything if we see it in person. Especially, you know, a lot of times customers will like to send pictures or something like that. It's not as easy to determine the the condition. You know, how the actual thickness of the fiberglass, if it's been worn down with harmful chemicals or if it's oxidized or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, you know, when a customer is asking. Can you fix this? Can you warranty this? You know, it's it's not that easy. Yeah, and, and you know, we've found, because I'm kind of the one that schedules the jobs, and, like, um, we found that over time, like, we used to just, you know, out of fear of losing the job, tell people, hey, we could probably warranty it or whatever the fuck. But we found over time that it's better just to be honest with people, tell people you can't warranty it. And if you explain to them the way kind of we just talked about it, that there's so many variables that it would be impossible and it would be a disservice to just tell you, like, yeah, we could warranty it and come back later and say, sorry, you're shit out of luck. Like, it's it's just better to be honest as the person who's in the industry yep. and who's doing it because the last thing you want is, you know, out of fear of losing the job, lose more money down the line, repairing something that you knew you couldn't warranty. And guess what? If it gets messed up the second time, now they're going to want you to come back again mm-hmm. because you told them originally it's something that you can fix. Mm-hmm. And all you're doing is pissing them off every single time. Yeah. You got to go back. You're, you're basically promising that if anything happens to it, you're responsible for it, you know. And that's that's a problem when something is, you know, it could be to the point that we don't know if it's even reparable, you know. So it, in instances like that, sometimes it's good to just let a customer know, hey, you know, we can't warranty it as of right mm-hmm. now. Um, maybe, you know, when the tech gets there, we can do a tech evaluation. And depending on what they say, maybe we'd be able to give you a warranty. But as it stands, we can't. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that way you're kind of leaving it open. So 
you know, they don't expect anything, but, you know, best case scenario, they do get a warranty for a year, two years, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of a, like kind of touching back on what we were talking about when he was talking about rust in general. We kind of just stay away from warrantying rust unless it's like very, very, very minimal. And when I, when I mean that is like someone left like a fucking shaving bottle and like some of it oxidized and spread on the tub just a little bit. Yeah, very light surface rust that we can yeah. get off. And because anybody who tells you that they could tell 100% where the rust is coming from is full of shit. I mean, like you can't really tell. There are certain tells, you know, you can more or less assume but you don't really know because you can't see underneath the tub. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you don't really know where it's coming from, how far it's spread, what it's penetrated as far as, like, the integrity of the surface. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, warrantying that is very, very tricky because who's to say that it's not rotting underneath? You give these people a warranty, and three and a half years later, they call you, and they're like, well, it's rusting over here. Mm-hmm. You guys There's said a hole was, in our tub. Uh, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. And... So, oh, you know, people do dry that shit, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, like I said, we've we've encountered that stuff. And that's kind of why we want to talk about it. If you guys hear like our little dog here running around in the background, he's just, you know, I'm gonna put him on the camera here. There he is. This is my son. The ween. Yeah. He's just running around. If you kind of hear him in the back, I just come babysitting him right now. So, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, like. You know, like he said, as someone who's been in this, there are so many variables, especially when it comes to things like repairs. And you got to think about refinishing kind of like how you would like a body shop. I mean, you're, when you take a car to a body shop, they don't warranty shit. <laughs> they don't even warranty the paint job they give you. And, and you see, that's something that even we, like we warranty the paint job. And it's also something that they have weeks and, you know, sometimes multiple exactly dozens of coats yeah you know they have days of wet sanding dedicated to just polishing we don't Mm -hmm. get that you know what i mean we're in there in a matter of a few hours we have to do it right the first time and we have to get out of there and make sure you know as best to our ability that we don't have to go back you know yeah yeah and And it's it's completely different like it's completely mm -hmm. different there's there's a lot less room for error in what we do than in a body shop where you can come back every day and fix your mistake from yesterday, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and we get that a lot. We get a lot of people who have painted cars or paint cars right now and they think that it's the same thing. It's kind of like what he said, like, you know, you have so much time to fix your mistakes. And on top of that, people in body shops know, like I just said, they don't warranty shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it could because in reality, most of the time, regardless of whether we cover the warranty or not, most of the time it's user error. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the way this material apply, is applied, and if you can kind of do like a rundown of the process, um, you know, the way the material is applied, it's kind of impossible for this stuff to just come off like that. Yeah. But you can go, like, go ahead and run down the process real quick. Yeah, so uh, the, the most important thing about this process is adhesion. So um, the main thing is surface prep. It's about 85, 90% of the process is surface prep. So the first thing we want to do when we go in there, if we're just doing a standard tub that hasn't been refinished before, uh, we go in there, remove the old caulking, um, you know, making sure that, that those grout lines are exposed, making sure there's no old caulking and old silicone in the surface that could repel the paint. Um, then we go ahead and we give it a, we sand the entire thing down, make sure there's no imperfections on the surface, you know, any residual dirt, mildew, anything like that. We go ahead and give it an acid etch after that. We use an industrial wash that's about 5% acid. Um, that go ahead, that what it does, if it's a porcelain tub, it opens up the pores a little bit, allows it to receive the material a lot better. 
Then we go ahead and mask the surface, you know, mask off any personals and any personal belongings in the bathroom. Um, uh, we apply a tarp on the floor, you know, cover everything in the bathroom. Um, as we said before, you know, this is, we spray it, we use a high volume, low pressure compressor and it, and it creates, you know, a ton of fumes. So we set up an extractor fan, you know, we set up our, our compressor. We like to run tarps all the way out to the, to our, our uh, exhaust point, I guess you can call it, wherever, wherever the extractor is running out to. And then uh, we apply two coats, you know, one to two coats, depending on how heavy you'd like to throw your, your coat, um, of primer, uh, aerospace primer, it's self-etching. Um, after we let that set for about a half hour, hour max, um, you want to go ahead and pass a static cloth on the surface to make sure that it's uh, completely free of any dust, dirt particles, any debris. Um, before that, actually, you want to make sure you, uh, after masking and everything, after the surface is practically prepped, you want to give it a, a good wipe down with some denatured alcohol just to make sure there's no, uh, you know, moisture on the surface that completely, it, it dehydrates and, like, it, and it dissipates in, like, a matter of seconds. So you literally pass that across the surface, make sure it's completely clean. Um, like, you could literally eat off that surface. It has to be super mm -hmm. clean. You know, any soap on the surface, nothing can be on there. Even a little bit of silicone, nothing. Like, you can't have anything on there. Mm -hmm. um, and then after, after I said the primer, then the static cloth, um, then we go ahead and apply uh, two to three coats of uh, our top coat polyurethane acrylic enamel. Um, it's a polymer. It's used specifically for this type of application. Um, you know, you, you want to spray your first coat, even your second coat, you want to spray it relatively light. Um, you, don't, you shouldn't have a really strong shimmer on the first coat. That... Because um, you want to let the you want it to let a flash dry. Flash drying process means you're letting any any fumes that are coming from the compressor from actually you know releasing the material through your gun. You want to let those fumes dissipate. Uh, if you don't do that, if you spray too much material on there, what will happen is it happens a lot in auto body. It happens all the time. That's why they have to come in and buff it every other day. You know, yeah, they have to sand it and get it down to where it's fresh because. Those they don't allow the, there's so much material on there that those fumes from underneath don't have a chance to dissipate and what happens is those bubbles start rising rising and then the paint on the top will already be dry and then you'll get bubbles you know mm -hmm. you'll have bubbles all throughout the entire surface and so. rough patches and rough patches too, yep. exactly um, yeah so after that you know you want to make sure you give it a couple light coats make sure it's flash drying properly uh, you know if you have to let it set 10 15 minutes in between coats you know do it. It's always it, the finish will come out a thousand times better because of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, after the two to three coats, we like to remove the masking paper about 10 or 20 minutes or so. Um, you don't want to set it to let it set too long. Uh, some companies like to leave it overnight and then come back the next day, which is fine. Um, it's always good to let it, you know, cure. And, and when you do it that way, uh, customers are a lot more hesitant to go in the bathroom because they see everything still masked up. Still you masked, know. Yeah. Uh, but we, we do it 90% of the time. We just take it off the same day. Yeah. Um, I like to do it about 10 minutes after I spray because that the material is still wet enough that it's not tacky. It hasn't created a, a real bond yet on the outside surface. So if you remove the masking paper, it doesn't peel anything. Uh, you want to be very careful with that. Depending on how thick you spray your primer too, it can be, you know, a solid, pretty thick um, coat of material on there. So yeah, I like to wait about 10, 15 minutes, remove all the masking paper, make sure it's completely clean, make sure there's no residual paint anywhere, anything like that. We like to leave a glove. Or a, or a bag on the uh, the spout in the shower head, just in case any water droplets, you know, may fall on the surface. It's it's water ba or oil based material, so any water for it is ironically the worst thing until it dries. <laughs> um, and then um, 
After that, we go ahead and seal it with our, our adhesive-based caulking. That takes 24 hours to dry as well. So by the next day, they can go ahead and use it. Yeah, but yeah that's pretty yeah. much a rundown of the process. Um, you know, we like to make sure everything's completely clean. We like to, you know, the best thing about, you know, making sure everything's covered is minimal cleanup time. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is having to, you know, spending all day doing a job, and then you have to clean their whole bathroom because there's overspray everywhere, you know. Things like that can be avoided beforehand, and they just make your life a lot easier. So, um, I was doing a lot, a lot of, <laughs> and so, you know, down the whole process. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just one of those things and you know, there's a lot that goes into it and people just don't really, you know, a lot of people just don't understand that there's that much. Yeah. Stuff people think they just, you just go in there and, and you wash it and then you, you go ahead and start spraying, Yeah, you know, but yeah. it's not, it's not that simple. It's like yeah. Spraying is actually about like 10% of the process. Like I said, and, prepping is everything. And then people like, uh, you know. I'll kind of probably clip this and put it out there kind of as an ad because I like how you thoroughly explained everything that you do. And then, you know, I still get people who ask me like, why the fuck are you charging 375 bucks? And it's like, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more stuff than a lot of people out there think. And it's labor intensive too. You know, keep in mind if we're doing this in a, you know, three story apartment building, we're going up and down three flights of stairs, six flights of stairs. That being said, you know, and it's, we're picking up, we're carrying 50, 60 pound equipment. We're moving up and down, not to mention it's 90, 95 degrees outside sometimes in Florida, even hotter. And, you know, it's exhausting. And like I said, 90% of the job itself is just prep. prep. You know, uh, spraying is, uh, it's the most technical side of the job. It takes the most like hand-eye coordination, the most skill technically, but uh, prepping is everything. Without a good prep, it doesn't matter. You could have the best sprayer in the world. The surface isn't going to be, it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, uh, welcome the material properly. It's going to repel it literally. So like I said, 90, 90% of the job is prep. So it's, it's pretty labor intensive, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not something that we just go in there, you know, lightly sand it and then go ahead and start spraying. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of like what I was talking about in the last episode, which I don't think you've seen, yet, but yeah. uh, in the last episode, I was kind of talking about how you got to value the work and, Price it accordingly, mm-hmm. and like we were, there was a time where we were charging two thirty nine, then two sixty nine, then two seventy five, and one day overnight, I raised the price a hundred dollars. Yeah, and like I got shit for it from a few customers who had gotten a quote like a month before, and uh, for some people I honored it, but for some people I didn't honor it. Well, so the people I didn't honor the quote that I gave them a month before is because they were in buttfuck Egypt. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two, you know, the tub was stripping and all this other stuff. It's like. It's, it, you know, it just wasn't worth our time when yeah, we're losing money at that point. Yeah. You know, you know after paying a, a tech, especially if we're paying more than one person to go out there yep. and do it, you know, after paying a tech and material cost alone, plus gas, you know, these trucks, they're eight cylinders. They, they are not cheap when it comes to gas. They guzzle that shit. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's not cheap. So, you know, just because, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of relative to, not only the cost of material, the cost of gas, everything, but also like what, you know, what you value in work. Do you want to pay for quality? Would you rather pay that extra buck and get something that's going to last a lot longer, look yep. a lot nicer? Or would you rather, you know, cut the corners, you know, see if you can cheap out a little bit and then hope it just stays well, you know? Yeah. And, and you're just taking a word for it too. The, a lot of companies don't even give warranties or, or a written one. They'll say, yeah, like, oh, they'll say warranty. It, they'll give yeah. you a piece of paper. That says exactly. Anything. They never honor it. Yep. And, yeah. And then, you know, another thing, like he said, they don't honor, you know, you'll call for a warranty 
and no one picks up the phone. <laughs> so it's just one of those things like, you know, we have always kind of, you know, strode, you know, stood for like honoring the warranty no matter what, even when we were in shitty scenarios, even when we were running this company with a fucking thousand dollars, if there's some shit that needed to be fixed, we would go and fix it because that's just, that's just, you know, things that you got to do when you're in business and if you're serious about it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, kind of like the thing that I was talking about last week was like, you know, at the end of the day, we could, we like, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but even if we were charging five seventy five for a tub, you got to think about we're still saving homeowners thousands of dollars on, on replacement. Yep. So like, when you look at the list of everything that goes into the process, and everything that it costs, and the travel cost to get to these places, and then on top of that, you add the value that, you know, let's say theoretically in the future we're charging five hundred or some odd dollars to do it. I mean, it's still a fucking bargain at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You're saving not only the money to replace everything, but you're saving all that time. Because replacing a tub doesn't take a day. No, nope, it, it takes weeks. It takes weeks. I mean, uh, you know, and God forbid you live in a house that's over like 10 years old. Forget about it. Backer board's coming out. Plumbing's yep. going to get reworked. The standard for plumbing is changing. And, it, it, you know, if you live in a really old house with copper piping, they're going to make you take that shit out as well. All this stuff, you know, there's a it's lot a of can stuff. of worms, and yeah. it's already thousands of dollars in repairs. Yeah, man. and if they and, and if the backer board is bad, chances are you might have mold in those walls. And guess what? You're gonna have to fix that shit too. And now you're talking about a three, four week, maybe a month long fix. I mean, five hundred dollars is a bargain. Three seventy five is even more of a bargain. Yeah. So people who complain about that, it's like <laughs> this is everything that goes into it. This is someone who's who who did this every day. For like eight years. And like, you know, it, it's. I think it was important having you on here just to talk about that stuff too. You know, like people don't value the work and people who are in this industry don't value the work enough. Yep, that's true. And it, you know, we, how many times have we seen people advertising fucking uh, warranties 10 plus years and shit and charging like 280 bucks? It's yeah. like... That's bullshit, bro. Yeah, they're cutting corners somewhere. To to if they're making profit off of that, just to meet those margins, they're cutting corners somewhere. Whether it's the material, whether it's the prep, definitely probably the prep. That's know? where everyone cuts corners. That's where everyone cuts corners. Yeah. And and and, and also you got to think about hotels, which is I kind of want you know your input on that because you have been on the other side of that. Like I'm the guy who was at one time pricing them cheap to try to be competitive in this fucking market, but like. You were there doing 10 tubs a day. Yeah. And everything that he just took five minutes to fucking walk through verbally, he had to do on every tub 10 times. Yeah. And it was cancer. You know, we would have 12, 13, 14 hour workday sometimes. It was hard. Like we would get there at 8 a.m. and we would leave at 10 p.m. sometimes just because we were trying to, you know, finish up a floor or something like that. And And it was because, you know, we're trying to. We're trying to save money where we can. We're trying to meet, you know, the this quota that we set ourselves. Without you know, we compromising need, the quality. Without, exactly. And without compromising the quality, that's the biggest thing because, you know, we, we don't want to have issues down the line, you know. And later we found out that that specific hotel was using bleach, which l- directly violates their warranty, yep. you know. Yeah. But um, it's, not, it's not easy to... Uh, 
to pump out quality work if you're working in a lot of volume and you're overworking your guys and you know they're not getting compensated the way that they should that, be the way that they should be for you know those long long hours you know it's really it's not easy and it's hard to justify that to techs you know if you're mm -hmm. talking to them and you know they're expecting to work a normal eight hour day or even less than that you know working residential jobs it's a lot more uh it's a lot more forgiving, I guess you can say. Um, you know, it, it's almost like you're setting your schedule a little more. When you're working hotels in mass volume, it's a lot harder to, you know, kind of pump enough work out. You know, you can work as hard as you can, and you're still going to have six units to go, you know. Yeah. And it's not it's not easy. And, um, and you might be perfectly on schedule the first two, three days, but it starts to weigh on you after a certain amount of time. And then eventually you get back into it, and yeah. it becomes muscle memory, but it's like, you know, even then, it's like you there's never a hundred percent of the time where there's no mistakes, right? Yeah, so there's always going to be mistakes here and there. Um, there's always going to be certain units you have to go back to do a little touch up, something. Uh, so it's like that adds time too. You know, you want to give yourself enough, enough cushion of time where you know you can you can take those repairs and stuff like that into consideration so you don't get behind schedule even more, you know? Yeah, and and the reason I'm kind of bringing this up is because like I was talking about in the last, I just keep referencing it because. Like, it's cool to have your side of it from someone who's on the other side of it. Yeah. And this is the stuff that these people in hotels don't really see. Mm -hmm. uh, or other companies. For or that other matter. companies. They don't, you know, they see it as, oh, 200 bucks per tub doing five a day. I'm making a thousand bucks. But what is that thousand bucks really costing you? I mean, you're, you're taking your team and kind of just fucking harpooning their week and, 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 you know, you're loading their schedule, overloading them. And like, you know, the quality, you know, we, as, as much safeguards as we try to put, it could start deteriorating easily. Yeah. yeah. It's going to diminish somewhere. Right? Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason why, uh, like I was talking about with Ralph and I had mentioned it in the last one, like, and he's kind of asking me, Oh, you know, a hotel project or something. And I've told him, I'm like, well, the reality of the thing is, man, Hotels don't want to pay what's fair yeah. because they don't see this side of it. Yeah. And the thing is, too, uh, like, like, you know, we mentioned other companies, right? And they're also, in a sense, like devaluing their own work. You know, they're, they're setting that lower standard mm -hmm. for what that, that price point that hotels want to meet. Yeah. But yeah. The, the price point where hotels want to, you know, they want to pay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're willing to pay because they're desperate for the contract. And then they end up doing crappy work. The hotel has to pay it again anyway. Yeah. You know, but if, if you know, if more of, you know, what people in our industry, if more of us communicated and we set a new standard for what pricing and quality should be, we exactly. have, we literally have all the power. You know yep. what I mean? Like we the, have the only alternative for hotels is to pay thousands of dollars and get it, get a new one. Yeah. yeah. Get it replaced, you know? So when, when it comes to what we do, if we do a good job, we, we have all the power in that sense. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, hotels not only need to realize, but other owners should realize, you yeah. know. And, and I kind of talked about this on the, like, on the last episode. I literally titled it uh, Utilizing Your Leverage because we have all the leverage having this residential-wise yeah. and especially in the commercial side. I don't know where this idea started, that just because it's the um, whole undercutting mentality. Well, well, no, it's not even just because of that. It's because I, I just don't know where this idea started that like you give me more. I lower price yeah. for labor for product. It's different mm -hmm. product is manufactured in mass. Mm -hmm. So for them to, you know, 
to give you a discount for taking more off their hands, yeah. their margins are going to stay the same. Yeah, it's, it's more labor. Yeah, know? but labor in general. Yeah, it's like the service talk- industry. It's exactly. not the same. It's the service the industry has too many variables to fucking pretend like we could wholesale labor. Yeah. It, it really, it's, it, there's way too many variables here. Like when you think about, uh, you know, what are, like, like, like I mentioned this last week, but like what really are your margins if you're doing five a day at $200? You're making a thousand dollars after paying your tax, after paying material, after and then paying your guys, after I, paying gas. Exactly, and then, God forbid, you get a call back. Yep. At that point, you Not lost to it all. Any bills you actually yeah. have too. And and but at that point, you get one call back. You lost all your fucking margin. You really did because if 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 you're just making I'm making a thousand dollars a day, keep in mind you're spending a shit ton more money on material. You're gonna go through at least a whole kit of material. Yep. Doing, you know, five to ten. So, like, you know, that's kind of the reason why uh, right now residentials have been better to us than hotels. And I love working hotels. It's a lot more convenient. You yeah. get to see pretty places and stuff. Yeah. It, Not cool. only that, you know, that 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 monthly <laughs> that monthly nice chunky check is always nice to yeah, see. But, yeah. You know, it's it's a lot different too. There's there's advantages and disadvantages is, to both. Yeah. You know, residential work, we get the money right away. A lot of times we can make more money in residential because we can charge what we want to charge. And we see a lot more profit directly from residential. Like working in hotels, it's it's good to work in volume and, you know, kind of expend the material that we already have on hand. That's Uh the best way to work hotels. So that way, you know, we're never really falling back when the funds or anything like that. We have material on hand. We're doing the project with what we have on hand. And then everything that comes in can be profit, you know, Mm -hmm. after that. Especially if we're doing day-to-day residential work just to keep the guys paid. Um, But like I said, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. I personally, I I like working hotels because, um, you know, the volume's nice and everything. Uh, I also like the fact that a lot of times, you know, the, the units are just empty. There's no supervising yep. and you can be, you can be a lot more like at ease at ease. Yeah. I wouldn't say like, you know, lenient or, you know, you don't want to, you know, take the same precautions because obviously you want to protect everything in a hotel. You want to oh, yeah. cover everything the same way you would in a residential job. It's just, it's a lot, it's a lot less stressful, you know? And, you know, they always have the housekeeping staffs come in after us too, which is something that we always coordinate with the hotels and it just makes, you know, the whole cleanup process and everything a lot easier, easier. as well. Yeah, because the thing about residential work is you're working in somebody's home. You don't, you know, it's a lot worse to have to uh, to wipe down everybody's personal belongings, their toothbrush, you know, everything, because you got paint <laughs> on everything yeah. rather than, you know, just like, you know, a countertop or something in a hotel that you might have missed. Yeah, and, and kind of going back to like what we were just talking about, like like he said, like there's obviously advantages to working on uh, commercial, but... You know, it just depends on what you value. Like, uh, the ideal scenario is to do both, obviously. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, you know, we do we do the hotels as they come. Mm-hmm. But I think we could both kind of agree that we can no longer justify just trying to go down in price to land a contract. Yeah, like some of these hotels, you know, they're looking at $150 a tub. That's what they want to pay. That's what they want to pay. And <laughs> some of them, some of them are saying, like, to me, I had one, like, not too long ago. Um, in Orlando, the one across the street from the Parkway. Yeah, they told me that their budget is a buck ninety five. The fuck is that? Yeah, and and it's like you're expecting you're expecting to pay that you know that budgeted ass number, and then you want quality, top quality work with a seven year warranty. You know what I mean? If anything goes wrong with it, 
they they want us to uh, go fix it, you know, and we're responsible for that. And it just, it sucks. It really sucks. I mean, the thing is still going, the audio is still going, but kind of just go back. What were we talking about right there? At that very moment? Shit beats me. <laughs> um, You were kind of saying, uh, you were saying that it kind of sucks because they, uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't yeah, want to pay the. They, yeah, they, you know, they want to, they want to pay a budget price, but they don't expect budget work. They expect top quality work for that. Yeah. You know, if you want premium work, you have to pay the premium. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and the thing that always gets me is that they never cut corners on roofers. They yeah, never, exactly. They never cut corners on the fucking quartz countertops that they want in their fucking bathrooms. Yep. They don't They'll cut. get full granite, full, full quartz fucking countertops. You know, they have, they have uh, the bathroom fucking mirrors with TVs built into them, but they can't pay a couple extra hundred to, you know, make their tub look clean and brand new and easier for their housekeeping department to maintain. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. And the thing is, too, you know, we also apply the anti-skid material, which... Yep, and it's which, included in our commercial work. Exactly. And it, that helps hotels out a ton. There's a lot of tubs that come from the manufacturer with no, you know, slip resistant on the floor. And that's a huge liability. Yeah, know, it's a lawsuit waiting people. to happen, man. Yep. It's all, and uh, I don't know how many times hotels have told me like, you know, that's the fucking thing. And it's happened so much recently that that's kind of the reason why. I'm not saying I'm shying away from the commercial stuff, but I'm kind of putting my foot down and saying, like, this is what we're going to charge. And if you don't like yep. it, well, you can fuck off. Mm -hmm. And, like, it, it, you know, that's kind of being crude about it. But at the same time, it's like, if you're trying to check into said hotel and you're like, nah, I don't want to pay 150 bucks a night. I want to pay 70 because that's what I think it's worth. What's the hotel going to tell you? To fuck off. Yep. Like, you know, they, they don't fucking do this kind of, they kind of cherry pick with certain things. And like, you know, that it's mostly with the painters on the walls, bathtub refinishers, and that like anything else, roofers, they pay the fucking piper. They fucking pay the piper for fucking plumbing. Mm -hmm. they pay, but for that, they always pretend like they don't have the money. Yep. And some of these hotels do multi-million dollar lobby renovations and they cannot be fucked these to spend. hotels have billions of dollars just for their renovation budgets. You're telling me that it hurts Hilton worldwide to pay fucking $5 more per tub? Because I've had, I've had double trees and fucking embassy suites hotels tell me no over five yeah. bucks. And it's like that extra five bucks is the difference between a good quality job with a seven year warranty and getting one of these motherfuckers who's going to make you do the tubs again next year. Yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like that's what they don't take into consideration. They end up going with the cheaper guy just to have to do it again in the a matter of a year. few months. Yep, it's, it's ridiculous. Can, can you imagine, like, the number of guys who are good at numbers who work at these fucking resorts who don't have gone that, that through their head? Like, if we pay someone to do a better quality job, hold on. <laughs> Maybe we won't have to do the tubs again next year. Yeah. And then that that 200 bucks or 195 has already surpassed $300 if you got to do it again next year. Yep. But then again, can you really blame hotels that much at the moment? You can't really because the industry's done it to itself. There's good quality companies that have done work for cheap and we were one of them for a while. And and so like but then again, you know, when you're when you're that low and you see that there's good quality companies doing it for that low, you're like, oh, you know, what's to squeeze out an extra five bucks? And then they end up, you know, for that five buck difference, they go with someone who's going to do a shitty job. It's mm -hmm. happened to me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, all the tubs are peeling. It's a mess. Can you do it for one ninety five? Yeah. And it's like, well, now there's a whole layer on top of it, man. Literally. <laughs> it's true. It's like, it, it, and then, uh, you know, and then now, you know, they're a little bit more sketched out to do refinishing because, oh, we just had a bad experience. And like, it, it just, it, it becomes a fucking cycle. But that's kind of like part of the reason I even wanted to do a podcast in the beginning when I just started doing it in my fucking room. It's just like, dude. The industry is killing itself on the commercial side. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. It's yep. like I said last week, um, either, either people who are in this, who are doing this work really, really cheap, are cutting corners, or they're not going to be in business long enough to help those hotels out the second time they need it. Because they're not going to make any money. That's just the reality of it. Yep. Either, either they're it's doing like either you're screwing your customer over, or you're screwing yourself over. Yep. yep. It, it doesn't, you know, it's either one or the other. Yeah. I mean, and we know the numbers here, man. And, and granted, we have like a lot more expenses than some other companies because I like to think that in our area, we're one of the larger ones. But at the same time, it's like, you know, even if they didn't have the expenses, bro, your, your margins are like razor thin at that moment. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you're making up substantial enough profit. What is my little dog doing over there? Come on, Meanie. Go, go. We're trying to control the dog in the middle of this podcast. Yeah. But let me see. If I he's can the play. shredder. He's the office shredder. Yeah, he he's just he's in his own little world. <laughs> yeah, I mean the microphone might pick up some of it, but not all of it. It'll be fine. But anyway, yeah. So. Like hotels, man. Like there's so much there's so much benefit to working with them, but there is a lot of downside. And like recently, I felt after seeing the numbers, especially this year, which has been a great year for us so far, I've kind of no, I've just kind of like, I've kind of just been more like hesitant to do to do it cheaper uh, or try to compete with those bottom of the barrel prices just to land a contract. I just don't think it's fair to ourselves. I don't think it's fair to the team. And at the end of the day, like, you know, if we're making similar money, residential or more money, then what is the point? That, that's kind of the way I see it. Like I, I was talking about last week how a tub that needs to be stripped residential, we're charging about 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. A tub that needs to be stripped commercial hotels, some of them have told me 195 The most I've been able to squeeze out of one is 250 but even at that, you're talking about half of what I'm charging residential. Yeah. It's not worth it. And then they try to say, well, I'm going to give you like five of them. And it's like, that's more work. It's a lot more work. It's a it's lot not, more. It's not easy. Like, it, I, get, I get their mentality, but it's not a product. It's not like we can produce more. We don't have a factory cranking out refinishing. Yeah, exactly. And we, have, we have to pay more labor and more material. Mm-hmm. Our costs go up with more quantity. Mm-hmm. So... Just giving us more quantity isn't going to be the end all be all of the you know the thing. Yep. And you know, so that's cool. Like I, I'm glad that you know you kind of offered that side of it, and like from someone who's been doing the work physically, yeah, how it could be so fucking demanding because yeah, and stripping stripping specifically is one thing that it's it's just tough to do in general now, um, especially since they uh, they discontinued the dad's easy spray. Oh, yeah. You know, which was our main chemical stripper. That thing, you know, it, it worked really well, but it was super harmful to people. People actually yeah. died from it just from inhaling the fumes. 
Yep. Um, so they discontinued it, and that creates another problem, right? Because before we could strip a tub down in 20, 30 minutes. Now yep. it takes an hour to two hours per tub, you know? So if you're talking 10 tubs, that's 10 to 20 extra hours of work. You know <laughs> what I mean? And everything needs to be done by hand now. And, yep. and you got to be uh, a little bit more perfect because you don't have all of it off. Anything that's flaked up in an area that you don't catch, yep. now it's a thing. When the paint hits it, it could either, um, you know, have that, uh, you know, when you shoot the top coat and it just kind of doesn't adhere properly. And it's like, uh, I don't know how what, what the terminology is exactly. Uh, like it's repelling it? Exactly. Like it, or, or either that or, you know, the catalyst from our material will overpower the old paint if it's, you know, a cheaper material. And it'll cause it to orange peel, the older stuff. You know, it's very hard to find, you know, most companies don't use the best quality stuff, so it's very hard to find a material that that can resist, you know, our stuff once we actually start spraying on there. We're having an issue here. <laughs> We're having a technical issue. Oh, man. It's our heating issue here, which is weird because when I did the last one, I recorded like 40 Yeah, but straight. I also, I turned off the AC when I got here. Yeah, it was might, cold. It was yeah. probably what it was because it was like 65 in here. Yeah, it has to be kind of cold in here, but yeah, uh, everything's still good. So, but like you, like you were saying, like, you know, um, now everything has to be stripped by hand. There's no more stripper. It's a lot more labor you. intensive. And, yeah. You know, it's not... Even back then, it wasn't easy to, you know, like convince a guy to to go start stripping tubs. You know, if he has to strip 10 tubs, 5, 10 tubs, you know, we have two guys going to just dedicating to stripping. It's not easy to, you know, convince them to go do it now. You know, it's twice as hard. You have to mechanically strip it. And it's yep. not it's not easy, you know. Yeah. And it's hard to justify that. When the chemical was doing all the work, it was a different time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Because yeah. that stuff was, was cancer. It was acid. It was, yeah. <laughs> it touched your skin and it, it burned. chemically burned on contact. And gloves, no help. Yeah, they melt right through the But, you know. But that stuff worked like nothing yeah, else. Yeah, and it got it off like nothing. But now, now we can't do that. And that's just another reason why. It sucks that hotels just kind of being a little stingy. If I'm yeah, being real, they just yeah. don't want it, but you know that's another thing that they don't really know the work that goes into yeah. it. They just see the finished product, right? Yeah. So they're like, hey, like you know, yeah, the tub looks nice, but this guy made it look nice too, and he did it for a hundred dollars cheaper. You yeah. Know? So that's where they see it. And, and 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 I've gone to people like that, and they never take it. Like they never ask the guy. They're like, oh yeah, well he could do it nice too, but then they ask him about how much can you do. In a day. And the guy's like, well, it's just me. And like. Yeah. Or like, what's your warranty? Yeah. And, and it's like, warranty? Yeah. We don't do that. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, it's yeah, like. There's a, no way to really tell, like, you know, yeah. how long it's actually going to last. So kind of veering off that, because we're about we're about an hour in, minus some, probably some minutes that I'm going to have to yeah, cut. because, yeah. we, But it's all right. You know, we're still in the testing phase. It's still early on in the stuff. So hopefully yeah. we sort all this shit out. But do you have in mind. A worst experience with a customer that you want. You don't have to say names, obviously. You don't want to do that, but I kind of. <laughs> I probably I, wouldn't remember names anyway. I, I mean, I've had a few uh, instances where, you know, the customers are just hard asses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the worst, like, you know, the worst experiences I've actually had at residential jobs specifically is when I fucked up something big, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, there was one time. Um, the thing about our material, like I said, like a lot of stuff can't 
can't really resist our material, especially the catalyst. That stuff, you know, before it's completely atomized with the top coat, if you just have it sitting in a cup or something like that, we, we have to use the, the paper wax cups mm -hmm. to, to mix our material, the nine-ounce paper cups. They're lined with wax, and it helps, like, resist to that stuff. But if you use – at one time, it, this was, like – I was, like, probably, like, 18 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just finished up a job at this lady's house, and uh, I – I had to do a little touch-up. There was, like, something that fell on the surface. So I asked, like, my prep tech to go get me a, a cup with some material. And uh, we didn't have any of the paper cups. So I, I grabbed a solo cup, a red solo cup. And at first, it was fine. I mixed the material. I poured it in there. So it was fine. I took it up upstairs into her apartment. Mm -hmm. And mind you, she had carpet all over the apartment. And, yeah, so I set it. On the vanity. <laughs> I okay. on the vanity, and I go, and I'm, I'm looking for the little thing. I get the little speck of dirt off of there or whatever. I turn around to grab the brush and the paint, and, like, it looks fine from the direction I'm looking at, but then, like, I, I like, hover over it, and I see a melted hole in the cup from the, from the material, and it melted right through it, and it was just pouring down the drain. It just poured down the drain. Just a, a whole cup's full of paint just poured down the drain. Wow. So what did I do? I cleaned it up as best I could, and I got yeah. the hell out of there. And I'm gonna, obviously we're gonna, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna obviously, go, we had to go yeah. back and fix their drain later. And, and th well, this is funny because this is one of my worst customer experiences was with that customer, <laughs> because I, I uh. they. By the way, if you guys want to, like you know, we're we're kind of open and honest about when we make mistakes. So, if you go, this was back when. Our parents still own the company. It was under Avadco back in the day. Yeah. And if you search up the Better Business Bureau, there's a review in there. So, uh, I mean, 90% of the shit's in there are lies. But they did write that, that we got pain down the drain. Now, the guy who owned the house did fish out the big, like, thing of paint that went down there, and he got it out. And, you know, obviously, we went back. We fixed the job. Yeah. And then they, they, like, were insisting that they were going to sue us unless we did it for free. After, uh, you know, that's the kind of the thing I'm talking about. I mean, this person was, they started saying that because we got paint on the drain, even though they got it out. Like, the job, yeah, the job itself was actually fine. Was actually fine. They started saying that, uh, I mean, they just started making shit up. They said that you guys broke like 20 tiles in their bathroom, which is fucking impossible. And then they started saying that, you know, paint down the drain and it clogged the whole plumbing, which is bullshit. The guy fished it out the same day, actually, and like had in like a little baggie. And, uh, you know, he basically was like, oh, I'm going to sue the fuck out of you. And I was like, sorry, man. Like, things happen. Like, accidents happen. Obviously, we acknowledged that something happened that yeah, was wrong. we took responsibility for it, yeah. which a lot of people wouldn't even do that. Yeah, like, and we went and fixed it. And I believe I even gave the guy, like, 150 bucks off. But, like, you guys still did the job. And I get it. But we didn't really permanently damage anything. Yeah. It was something that, yeah, like, it caused the drain. But yeah, we got it's, a, it's a big deal, but it was able to be resolved. Exactly. And, and the thing about, like, you know, drains and fucking sinks, too, like, they have a catch specifically for shit like that in exactly. case you drop anything down there, you yeah. know. And, 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 like, you see, this is, this is stuff that, uh, you know, we're honest. And we, we will share stuff, even stuff like this, um, because things happen when you're doing this shit every day for eight years. Yep. I mean... Anyone who tells you it's fucking perfect and pretend like they don't have any mistakes, they're just lying. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's, you know, like, as many bad experiences as I've had, though, I've had, you know, twice as many great ones. Yeah, like, I, you meet some great people. That's one thing I did love about, you know, doing this stuff. You know, you're, especially working in people's homes, you hear people's stories. You know, I've had, like, 
you know, war vets talk to me, you know, guys who's survived cancer four times, yep. you know, and it's just, it, it's refreshing, you know, hearing people's different experiences and stuff. And then obviously people who have pets and they just like oh, yeah. have lovable ass pets, people who tip well, you know, I've had people, <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're in Florida. There's a lot of Hispanics and stuff. So around the holidays, a lot of people make coquito. You and know, they cook for you too. Yeah, it's like a Hispanic uh, nutmeg type of drink, alcoholic drink. And I've literally had you know customers give me a whole bottle of coquito just as a tip. You know, I've had a fifty dollar tip. I think that was my biggest tip was fifty dollars. Um, you know, and just customers that are just so nice. You know, and they just they're happy to see you. They just they're they can see that you're trying your best to do a good job, and they're really understanding. If something does go wrong, you know, they're really yeah. understanding. And, and, and those are the best type of people, and, and they make you want to do a good job for them yeah, too. You know, exactly. And 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 you know, you got to remember. Obviously, this is something that's done by hand, done by by, by yeah. man. So there's there's always, always room for error. Exactly. Yeah. And there there always can be mistakes, and there's always going to be mistakes. Mm -hmm be it little or big yeah but the yeah, important it's never going to be a hundred percent perfect exactly. especially you know if you're doing something cosmetic you know yeah. we're doing a cosmetic service the way we are yeah like, I, like he said there's always room for error you know most of the time there's going to be little mistakes here and there it's just you know making everything manageable and you know like like we said before prep is everything right if mm -hmm. you prep everything to your to the best of your ability, you're minimizing those mistakes or you're minimizing the opportunity for those uh, mistakes to arise, you know, yeah. and that's that's all we can really do at the end of the day, because as much as we try to control the environment we're working in, it's never 100 percent controlled. Yeah. You know? And it's and also being willing to fix it, which a lot of people out there aren't. That's part of the thing, too. Owning a business. I mean, there's always, uh, you know, there's always cost for risk and, you know, cost of doing business. And part of that. Is uh, being willing to fix stuff when you fuck up, so we're always we're always willing to fix it. And even that that scenario that happened to him, where something went down the drain. I mean, you know, if it would have been a scenario, and and it's happened before, where they need to reach out to our uh, insurance, uh, you know, we've supplied them with the information, and we've and we've set that up, and 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 uh, it's not common. It doesn't happen every day, but there have been instances where it's you know happened and we just addressed it we just addressed it like you would you know yeah. like anybody would address the situation yep. so you know, like like we say you know as much as we try to control the, the area we're working in like there's always certain variables certain factors you never know what could actually go wrong is that showing up yeah it's like protruding outward it's kind of yeah, it's yeah like, you never know you never know what can go wrong and you know even if we do make mistakes, we try to own up to it as best as we can. We take responsibility and we try to resolve the issue. And that's know? not even just a refinishing thing. That is a industry at any fucking business that you do. I mean, yeah. you got to have customer service. You got to be willing to fix things when they're wrong. Um, and, you know, like you were talking about worst experience with the customer, best experience with the customer, just in general, just throwing that out there. Something that I don't like, just now, because this is all reminding me of, some things that I've had to go through with customers. And it's like, I don't like when I express like something so in detail to a customer. Like when we send out a quote, I give them the, the whole spiel, right? Like this mm -hmm. is everything that's included. Yeah. And I tell them specifically about this. And they always fucking complain about it anyway. Well, not all of them, but some people. The grout situation. Oh, my God, bro. Mm -hmm. I mean, I put it on there. Clear as day. It's on the estimate. It's on the work order when they get it. And the people still are like... They missed a spot. Yeah. And it's like, 
I don't know how people can't comprehend that. First of all, that gun sprays at about a foot per second. So it's spraying about this big when it's completely, like when it's open for the coats, right? You're spraying it three times as well as two coats of primer. Why would it just miss right between the tile? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. And yeah, also... That's just like... It's common sense at that point. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the majority of the time where we get complaints. I would say like 9 out of 10 times, it's something like that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, things... Sometimes you just got to reiterate it. Sometimes you got to fucking bite the bullet, go out there, cover it with caulking. But you tell them, and it's for people who are in the refinishing industry, you tell them, if you don't do grout, we're going to put caulking on there. But you're going to have to put grout on this eventually because the caulking, it expands with heat, it contracts with the cold, mm-hmm. and eventually it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And some people, they'll forget that you told them that. That's why it's very important also, and just in general, as like a business person to try to keep as much track as converse, of conversations and like yeah. paperwork, how we have a paper trail, yep. get people to sign your paper, have like a little contract set up where you explain all this. so that And it helps you guys, you know, Obviously, when you when you were like a, a tech, it helps the techs because last thing you want is to be you know have some fucking hours cut because you have to go fix something that's yeah. not even a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's just something that you know the customer wasn't aware of or they claim they're not aware of. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and that's why it's important to have it on the work order and as well as for a tech to communicate that before they even start the yep, job. Like yep. when I if I was doing any type of shower, if I see any missing grout, even you know. A tiny little fucking spot of missing grout. I I make sure to communicate with that with them so there's no confusion later on. Yeah. You know, I always tell them, you know, I'm going to do the best I can to seal around the main edges, you know, the borders of the walls where they actually meet. But when it comes to individual grout lines, I can't fill that in, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it's going to be gapped, and you're going to see a difference, especially once that white hits it, you're going to see – the big white difference. tiles and you're going to see black grout lines because it's a gap. It's not yeah. even a grout line. And, know? and, uh, I, I do get from people sometimes like, Oh, well, shouldn't you just, you know, cover all that up? And that's not necessarily the, the, the issue. The issue is in the state of Florida, we're licensed to do like paint and coatings. And so once you start getting into grouting and tile work, because there's a lot more liability yeah, in that type of Yeah, it's a gray work. area already. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of asking you to go out of where your industry is. We can't insure it. We're, we don't have yeah, any, our insurance not, won't not even, even covered. Let us. Yeah, so it, we're not even supposed to do that. Exactly. We do it because, you know, it's more of a courtesy thing. Yeah. But it's not really mandatory for what we do, and especially if we notify the customer on the phone, we notify them on the work order, and if a tech communicates it, they have no excuse at that yeah. point. That's why I would always just tell them, like, whenever I was doing a shower or tub and tile, whatever it was, even an entire fucking bathroom, I would let them know. I only do the main edges. That's it. I don't, yeah. I don't sit there and, and fill in every, uh, every tile. You need it. It needs grout work. Yeah. Because if it's missing grout around the edges, it's probably not the sturdiest tile anyway. You know, exactly. You, you probably want to get it grouted just to make sure it's secure. So Yeah, and there have been times where uh, just as a courtesy, you see, we've made all the mistakes so that you don't have to. There have been times... Where I have told, like, Gene, which is one of our other texts, like, just do it, whatever the fuck. And what happens is sometimes they're being held up by silicone. Yep. And you take off the silicone, and guess what happens? The tile falls. Yep. And now it's your problem. And that's why we don't do it. Uh, and, you know, once you, start, once you start meddling in stuff that isn't your, uh, you know, your spot of expertise, you're opening yourself up to yep. bigger issues. Yep. And that's also something that happens with the drains. When people want us to pull out drains. Yep. I always tell them I don't do that shit. Exactly. And if they want to do it themselves, perfectly fine. 
I had a, a, a woman the other day try to tell me that taking out the drain wasn't plumbing. And I told her, I'm like, we don't even carry the tools for that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the tool for it, by the way, is literally called a plumber's bone. That's, yep. that's the tool to remove a drain, but it's not plumbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you know, and it, this is, like, not to bash customers. It's just more of, like, uh, you know, addressing our frustrations because a lot of this stuff is common sense. Yeah. And, like, like, when we explain it to people, I would think that most people, you tell them, like, hey, we're refinishers. What we do is, you know, the cosmetic stuff, I can't fuck with your drain because if I do, something snaps in the plumbing. Now it's my problem, yeah, right? And, and I've had, I've literally had that happened to me before there's been instances where i didn't have the fucking tool and the customer kept you know insisting 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 pushing it and i'm like you know the best i can do is mask it off and they're like oh but it's not gonna it's not gonna set right it's gonna crack later on i'm just like all right i'm gonna try to take it out if you just stop bitching you know just to have them out of my fucking ear stop micromanaging me when i'm trying to work yeah and i'll go in there with two fucking flatheads and a fucking wrench and i'll try to twist that shit i'll end up just snapping the fucking the little crosshair that's down there and then they get mad at you and and, yeah exactly they blame us you know when i was trying to do it as a courtesy just to be nice i didn't really even have to fucking do it and then it's like now i'm responsible for it because i broke it and it's going to be a hundred times harder to get out you know and that's why you don't do that like i said we've made the mistakes so that you people who are listening don't have to like there's a lot of stuff that you are tempted to do because you don't want to lose the money and you're tempted to like you know, try to make the customer as happy as possible. Do it within reason. Do it within what you what you're licensed to do, what you yeah, know how to and do. You don't necessarily have to say it. You know, like come off of the attitude or exactly. anything either. You don't have to say, "Hey, we don't do that shit." You know, you can literally just say, "You know, our company doesn't allow us to do that because that's considered plumbing work, and we're a cosmetic service." Simple as that. You know what I mean? Exactly. And exactly. that way, they have no excuse if they really want it out at that point. They can take it out themselves. Exactly. You know, most people aren't going to call a plumber for something like that. They'll just try to do it themselves. And if they can't, then they'll just they'll just say, "Fuck it, I'll do it." And know? something that I'm even or working I, I on won't do it, I because should. I do give people like the full rundown, but I've I've been trying to get better at like telling people like kind of just mentioning that do that too mention it to them like hey we don't take the drain out yeah, yeah. because uh, sometimes I forget to tell people that and you know people expect that the drain is going to be taken out most people are okay with it but what you don't want to do is end up at a job and then you know have them make you wait an hour for them to pull out the drain and then you know then you're behind schedule at that point so nope. um so basically. Uh, do you have one specific like experience with a customer that was like the best experience, or do you just, did you just kind of just meld them into one? Do you don't you don't really remember a specific? I mean, one? I, I remember certain customers. Um, you know, just certain customers are sweethearts, or certain ones just you know they you could tell they're genuinely good people. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one that she had this fucking giant giant dog. And uh, her husband was British, <laughs> but they were they were just a really nice older couple, like in their sixties and stuff. She was like from Jersey. She was like Italian, like a Jewish Italian lady. She was just she was really nice. Uh, I went with Ralph, one of our techs, to that job. We had uh, we had I think it was a we did two tub and tiles in her house, and then we did two countertops. Um, we did the two tub and tiles, came out perfect, and then we we went ahead and the second day we were doing the countertops, and it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just a disaster. Like, the material was, like, I don't know if it was the certain type of cultured marble, but it was repelling the material, literally. Yeah. It just, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. Um, 
I don't know. It looked like she had some dye on there. Like, maybe she was dyeing her hair. So, I don't know if that was, you know, a factor. But it was fucking terrible. Just the, the material was, you know, it wasn't working. I tried to – just the primer was already being repelled. I just tried to spray a really heavy coat on there. I came back the next day, tried to sand it down, do it again. Still was doing the same thing. By the time I sprayed the clear coat on there – it was literally bubbling up, you know, yeah. and I explained it to her e even after coming back four or five times and she was super understanding. Yep. She was super nice about it. Every time I went, she would fucking tip me, even though we would literally go there and damage her fucking vanity. <laughs> she was so nice about it. dude. Yeah, And I, I remember that lady. And, you know, the thing is, and that's why it's important for people in the industry to set your expectations. Mm -hmm. um, you always you don't want to tell people things are going to come out perfect. You always kind of don't tell them that. Things are going to go wrong, but kind of put it in their head like it could go wrong. It could go wrong. And so, yeah. you know, you like want to do what we can to minimize mistakes. Yeah. You know, I always tell them the same thing. Like we try to control it as best as we can, but there's always going to be certain factors. We're always limited to what we can actually do. Yeah. And if they did use a hair dye, if depending on it could have burned the protective layer. On that. Yeah, it might have been and something like that. That might have been know. what it is. Also, sometimes the protective layer itself actually has like a silicone or something in it and it repels the industrial yeah. cleaner. Or the industrial cleaner burns it and then now it's useless. And the thing is we have to use that because if not, there's not there's nothing to, to clean the pores of it to make it bond properly. So, yeah. you know, there's a give and take, but that's not something that's super common, but it can happen. Yeah, and, and this just goes back to, you know, communicating with customers, making sure that they understand that, you know, this is a service industry and what we try to do at the, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily always going to mean it's going to come out, you know, what we intend. But, um, like, you know, setting setting those expectations. I wouldn't say setting them low, but, you know, communicating. Realistic. Yeah, exactly. Being realistic. You Just letting, letting, communicating, letting them know that things can go wrong, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we give you a quality job at the end of the day. And, every, and if anything does go wrong, you know. We're going to fix it. We're Exactly. We're going to take responsibility. We're going to fix it. Like, I've had jobs where everything went well, and then last minute, I fucked something up. You know? Yeah, or when we hired that uh, that guy that he just came in and out, but uh, he was there. It was like an eight-hour job. Everything went perfect, and it was like a $1,200 job, and he just saw like a little speck, and he put his fucking arm on it yep. and fucked up the whole thing. I'm sure that's happened to you <laughs> yeah, once or that, twice. Yeah, it's definitely happened to me. I've, I've, done, uh, I've done tub and tiles where... Uh, I kind of forgot I did the tile and I'm trying to pick something out of the tub <laughs> and I'll literally put my hand on the tile <laughs> like to grab it, you know, and it's like, it's almost like, you know, you're not thinking about it in the moment, but right before your fucking hand touches, it, it's like you, you already realize you're going to fuck it up. It's an instance of trying to be so thorough yeah. that you end yeah. up. And it's, you have to be meticulous when it comes to this stuff. You know, you got to have a certain eye to try to catch those mistakes. Yeah. So the customer doesn't catch it. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And uh, and if you if it's something that's irreparable at the moment, it's always best to just tell them and yep. tell them before they find it. Because yeah. if they find it, they already have. Yeah, it in it's their always head. it's always better for you to come to them and you know be honest, be forward with any issues that you may experience, rather than you know them thinking they're gonna have a good job and at the end of the day they see it's fucked up. Yeah, because you know? that it kind of hits a lot harder, you know, especially if you're not open and communicate. It kind of feels like you're trying to hide something from and, them. And it feels to them also like they gotta be checking on you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Then they feel like they have to micromanage you, mm -hmm. which that's that's not a feeling. That's a, not a good feeling for anybody. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's like the exact opposite of what you want. I mean, you want you want to establish yourself as the professional, and if you don't catch something that's pretty obvious, or you just don't talk about it, 
next time yeah. you finish, they're going to point out every little detail. Nope. And and then not only that, like whatever you tell them becomes questionable at that point, right? Because they're, they're not going to necessarily see you as the most honest person. So they're going to like, they're not going to take your word for shit. You yeah. Know? No. And that, you know. And also, like, kind of going back to what we were saying about, you know, communicating, telling customers what we don't do. Uh-huh. Um, glass doors. That is one of the fucking things, you know. If, you're, if you experience or if you come and, you know, encounter somebody that has glass doors and they want to get their tub refinished, if you can't work around them, have them remove it beforehand. And the rails, preferably, please. Yeah, and the rails as well. Um, just because... They usually pose an issue, especially um, they leave a lot of silicone residue and stuff yeah. like that. But installation, if you, you know, if you're the person that removes the doors, you're going to be responsible to install them again. Yep. And the worst thing to try to do is try to fucking install some glass doors, you know, on a rail on a freshly refinished tub when it's still fucking wet. It's so nerve wracking. First of all, you know, a lot of those doors are really heavy. Some of them weigh 50, 60 pounds of its real glass. And, uh, you know, you can set it on there perfectly, but even after you get that first door in, the second one is even worse because you have to basically put it in the tub, you know. And if I had, there was one instance where I was literally doing a job and, you know, I refinished the tub normally. I removed the glass doors. I had done it, you know, dozens of times before. I already felt comfortable with it. And this was like one of the first few times that it was real fucking glass and they were heavy. It was thick glass, heavy glass doors. And, uh, you know, after I'm done with the job, I finish sealing it with caulking and everything. I go ahead and, you know, go to replace the doors. I put the first one in, and when I'm putting the second one in, right as it's sitting up on the rails, I have, so you have to, all right, so you know how, you know, the structure of, like, the glass doors are, right? So Mm -hmm. it's basically, like, one glass door covers half of whatever's there, and then the other glass door covers the other half, right? So one glass door is already installed, the one for the outside. Then you have to get the one on the inside in. And then there's, like, a little plate that you have to screw in that holds it in or whatever. But mm-hmm. I was pull, you have to basically turn the door sideways, push it in, and then let it set, you know, let the wheels set on the rails. And as I'm, as I'm setting it on the rails, I, the glass bends just a tiny little bit. And it cracks? T- and it shatters into a million pieces all over the refinished tub, like, freshly refinished tub. My arms were gushing blood. There was glass of, like, everywhere. So I sat there, the lady, the customer, she was so sweet, too. I felt so bad. And, like, she was, like, uh, she was, like, another, like, you know, Italian lady. And she's, like, oh, my God, Alex, are you okay? And then she started, she ran and, like, grabbed her vacuum. But even though I wasn't going to use her vacuum because she had, like, a tiny little vacuum, I grabbed, like, the, the shop vac, and I just vacuumed everything. And we came back. We had to end up paying for the door, and I had to fix the, the, the job. So we ended up losing a ton of money on that job because the, the glass door alone, they had to like custom make it. Yeah, and it ended up being like three hundred bucks just for one door. You know, yeah. and that's and that's like that's another reason. You know, you we ever since then we never did that shit again. You yeah. know, you, and it's it's just things you learn from experience. And you know? and you see, like that's something that I'm glad that you mentioned it because that scenario there was not just doing something out of your realm that could hurt your pocket. It's something that could hurt. Like you could have fucking cut yourself yeah, really I bad. Literally lacerated my arm and bled out possibly. Yeah. I've had to go get stitches. It, you or something. never know with these things. And that's why when you're doing yeah. something. And, and I was just doing that because, you know, I, I didn't have to by any means. I was mm-hmm. doing it as a courtesy because I liked the, the customer. She was yeah. really nice and everything, you know. But, but, you know, I instantly regretted that. And ever since then, I definitely learned my lesson. Like, no matter how nice they are or how sweet they are, you know, you got to let them know, like, you know, I can't do that. Yeah, you know, it's a liability. You, you got to stick to what you know and what you're like. 
yeah. there to do. Exactly. If yeah. you're there to refinish the tub, you know, you're not there to pull drains. You're not there to start, you know, fucking installing grout. You're there to refinish the tub. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it kind of reminds me of one of the last jobs that you did. <laughs> Where it was like the opposite, like the guy oh, was really yeah. pissed because yeah, he didn't want to do I something. That guy. And you know, it's that just was funny. Yeah, it's a culmination of like we have seen all this <laughs> shit happen, so we do our best to avoid it. So it's our policy that we just don't touch stuff that's not part of our mm-hmm. uh, part of our job. And so there was like a vanity blocking the tub and tile, and the, tools the s- inside of it. The sink wasn't even secured. Yeah, nothing, nothing in that bathroom was secure. And there was a toilet, like, loose in the middle there was, of the bathroom. The tub was full of trash, which we're not garbage cleanup. We're not, you know, we're not junk removal. We're bathtub refinishers. Yep. So, like, you know, to a certain extent, we can, you know, we'll clean it up within reason. But I, I don't, I'm not going to have you sit there cleaning a bathroom for 30 minutes yeah, just to get. exactly. They're not paying for that. Yep. And so, at the, you know, this certain gentleman, which I'm not going to name him. I remember his name is ingrained in me. Um, this guy, he, he. You know, comes up and he, you know, is like in rage mode, comes in like swerving into the driveway yep. and he, you know, goes in there five seconds, comes out and it's like, oh, I fucking cleaned it for like he was really, really angry and shit. And yeah. I, at that point, I'd already told Alex, get the fuck out of there. This guy, he he started cursing at me on the phone, calling me all sorts of names and everything. And after he cleans it, he drives 20 minutes to clean it. He tells me to get the fuck out of his house. He doesn't want us to do it because if we're not willing to do that, then we're not the type of company he wants to work for him anyway. Mm. Which to me is just so funny because it's like you don't want someone who is going to stick to what they know. You'd rather have one of my guys go in there, do something that's not his job. And then let's say theoretically you're moving that vanity by yourself. The sink cracks and falls on the floor. Now who's paying for it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they're fucking idiots. They don't think things through, man. Yeah, and then so he's like, "Oh, uh, this he, this is what he said." And I quote, "I don't have time for fucking child's play." That's what he told me. And then I I tried to call him. I was like I'm trying to strain this thing out, not because I I didn't give a fuck about the job. I really was like, "Hey, I was gonna explain to him like we don't do this because you know you're one fucking person. If you're moving that vanity, and it's it's not something that you do. Mm-hmm. If you're moving that vanity." And the fucking thing falls, and now it's your problem. I'm not going to fucking have you pay for it, or I'm not going to pay for it. So, like, I was trying to explain to him. He kept dodging my calls and just texting me angrily. And I'm like, are you scared to talk to me? And he literally texted me, scared to talk to you? And then he blocked my number. <laughs> so I think that answered the question. scared. I don't know. I think no, that answered the question. You know, it's just, like, people, people don't have common sense, man. And it, it's just, like... It's logic at that point, right? Like, you're hiring someone for a service to come refinish your shower. Then make sure your shower is ready and cleared out. We, that's something we tell customers, Yeah, too. we tell them. Make sure there's no personal belongings, no bullshit in the shower. It has to be clean as if you just fucking moved yeah, in there. I, I tell people and now these, to do their regular idiot, cleaning. This fucking jackass. <laughs> First of all, I get there. The fucking house is gutted out. There's yeah. basically, like, nobody in there. There's two guys. There's two guys in there. These fucking Beavis and Butthead looking motherfuckers. They're just drunk at 9 a.m. First of all, that's the type of contractor he wants. That's the type of contractor so he could fucking pay them in beer. (laughs) That's what he wants. But you know, I get there. I'm like, either of you guys, the owners. They're like, oh no, Andy's not here. So I'm like, all right. Uh, I don't remember if that's the guy's name, but anyway, like, 
I go to the bathroom, you know, I tell them, you know, I'm here to, to finish, you know, the shower. I have a work order for this address. And then I show them the work order. They're like, oh, yeah, it's right over here. So we go over there. And then I'm like, I'm just looking at it. So the first thing I do is like, I'm like, okay, so is somebody going to get the stuff out of here? And they're like, um, I don't know. We can call Andy and see or whatever. So I'm like, okay. I just take pictures and I immediately send it to you. Because not only was there a loose vanity, there was a toilet sitting right in for like inches yep. off of, you know, the front panel, which... Obviously, I can't fucking fit a spray gun in there. I'm not going to sit there and remove a fucking 80-pound toilet. I'm not going to sit there and start pulling out his vanity. He had a bunch of tools, like literal power tools, wrenches, screwdrivers inside. The and then we start throwing stuff out. Something goes missing, and suddenly yeah, it's like, where's my tool? You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, if you're hiring somebody for a service and, you know, there's certain requirements they ask, just fucking meet those requirements. It's not that hard. If not, then you're not ready for to get that service anyway. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and, and the way he came in enraged, because it's just like, you know, we tell people we're here to do something specific. And then it's like they get pissed off because you're not working around what they want. And, yeah. it's, you know, a lot we're of people the professionals. Have this, yeah. A lot of people have this sense of entitlement because they're paying for a service. And it's like, yes, you're paying for a service. I came here to do that service, not this extra bullshit you're asking me for, you know? Yeah. And I could imagine the frustration when. You're just fucking doing. You're trying to just trying to do your job. Yeah, and, and then get it paid becomes on the you know a delay, especially you know text. Sometimes it two, maybe even three or jobs it, a day. Or you can't do the, the job because yeah, it's supposed to be a that's two day. money out of my pocket. At yeah, that point, and you the know? the business in general, not just your personal pay, but exactly. it's like as a business owner, those things suck. But you know how we got around that. News to everybody out there who has a fucking business: start taking debit and credit cards at the time of yep. booking. You will avoid Put all those issues. Put a card on file. Put a card on file. If you're giving yourself a fucking safety net you, in case they want to be on some bullshit. You tell them that this is what you expect. It needs to be ready. Do your regular cleaning on everything. Any delay, you have to have your cancellation policy. Yep. And if it's not ready, if it's not ready 24 hours before and they try to tell you last minute, we charge half. I don't know if you know that, but if, if 24 hours before they try to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I t charge them half the service cost. Yeah. Now, if you're trying to reschedule it legitimately, that's fine. I let people reschedule up to three times because I had one customer who tried to reschedule seven times. And I'm like, this fucking jackass is just not trying to do the job. Mm -hmm. And I had his card on file. I'm like, hey, we just implemented a policy that after three reschedules, it's considered a cancellation. And I think that's reasonable. Yeah, definitely reasonable. I mean, so, how many opportunities do you need? Exactly. Well, at that point, I was just trying to stall, so I didn't charge them. So I ended up charging them. Yeah, but, you know, if we're dedicating a specific time in our schedule for, you know, a said customer, mm -hmm. and then last minute they want to fucking, you know, opt out mm -hmm. or they change their mind and decide to go to somebody cheaper, a lot of, com a lot of some people like to fucking do that. You know, they'll call. They go they'll price get a shopping. Quote. Exactly. They go price shopping. They'll, they'll call. They get a quote. They schedule the appointment. Yep. And then the day before, they're like, hey. This guy down the fucking street said he'll do it for $300 cheaper. Can you meet that price? And Hell you're, no. You're like, fuck no, baby. You know? no, no, that's no. why it, we literally have to have that card on file for instances like that. You know, It's just not worth I mean, it costs us money to put people on the schedule. It it's does. And if they, you know, we're losing money, literally. Customers don't money. understand that. And Exactly. And not just us, you know, our fucking techs as well. Yeah, you know? because it, you tell me last minute. I mean, it's essentially a form of blackmail. You tell me the day before after I've allocated crew, material, gas, Yeah, like everything. that is such a fucking unethical, scummy thing to do to somebody. It is. Yeah. It is. And people do it just to try to save that extra buck. That's like, that's the equivalent of some regular customer going to Walmart and about to check out when something was priced like five bucks. And at the last minute, right when they, after, the, after they scanned it already, 
getting the receipt that says $300 or some shit. Like, yeah. because you got to remember, like, we already allocated the time, the material, everything for that job. If you're telling me the day before yep. that you found someone else and they're doing it for ch- the negotiations were over, man. Yeah. When I could have had a paying customer in that spot exactly. that wasn't going to bullshit me the last day. Exactly. You know? And that's why take a card on file. It'll fucking solve a lot of your yeah, fucking problems, especially time of booking. It protects you. Yeah. And, and like that's happened so many times. It just doesn't happen anymore. We don't get cancellations anymore. Good, yeah. Yeah, we don't get, ever since I started doing People that. People are a lot more, like, hesitant to fucking cancel if they know that you already have their fucking bank information. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the card information. Yeah, the card nice. information. Like, I just, I, I'm at the point now where, like, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, some people are hesitant. And I, I get that. And, you know, to I, I understand it fully. But at the same time, it's like any service you do that's serious, you call a plumber. They all do it. That's they all standard. Take, like, it's standard. Yeah, it's standard. In, you, in service industry in general, you call a fucking housekeeper and they do that. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's the same thing, you know? They want to take deposits. They want to all It costs money to schedule somebody in this yeah. type of work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, if we miss out on it, now it's a day that the company's not making money, the employee's not making money, and then it just it's, it's like a big thing that happens just because some jackass wanted to hundred dollar discount, hundred fifty. Like I've gotten people who have literally been like, "I know you quoted me fifteen hundred, but this person says he's willing to do it for nine hundred. It's like, fuck you. I would rather not do. I would rather not make the nine hundred than fucking bend over to someone who's willing to do some bullshit like that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I could fucking pretend to be another company and make a little fake work order that says that. $900 to do it. How do I know that he's really getting those quotes? And every single time I tell people to show me a quote, they'll give me a quote of some company I never heard of. ABC fucking refinishing. Like, get the oh fuck out of here, man. Oh, my God. Like, it's, it's you know, and I, like I said, it, like it's, it's not faulting the people who want a bargain, but the negotiations are over when you schedule. Yeah. You don't negotiate price after the fact, unless you're adding something on, in which case... Yep. It's just a shitty thing to do to somebody. It, it, it is, especially someone who... Uh, bro. It's like they think they're they're fucking over a uh, big tub refinishing. Yeah. <laughs> big tub refinishing. Dude. Yeah. Like, like, what the fuck? It's like, you're, this is, you know, at the end of the day, you're taking money out of somebody's pocket. This isn't a multi-billion dollar company either. But, you know, it's a small business. Like a lot of things that we talked about today, a lot of the fault is on people in the industry. If we made it a standard that when you book, you put your card on file, this shit wouldn't happen to a lot of you. Yep. It happened to us for a while, and it doesn't happen anymore because we implemented that. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about when we talk about how to deal with customers, how to deal with the administrative business side, all that stuff falls back on you as an owner. If, you know, if, if, and that's just not even just with this industry. In business in general. Yeah. You have to, you know, take those precautions and take those steps to protect yourself before any of that shit happens. Value your time. Your yep. time costs money, man. Time is the only thing you can't get back. And if you if you don't if you don't respect your time, why do you expect some bozo to do it for you? And that's why people do that price shopping shit and they try to do a shit last minute and so other than that, I think I mean we've done an hour and twenty seven yeah. minutes, man. So I mean we, we could plan another show and we can yeah. plan another show and do another one some other time, but for it's now, good. yeah, I think you did well for your fucking first time, man. Yeah, you know, after a while, it's just it's just talking, talking man, yeah. and it's not it's not so bad. So uh, with that, we're gonna go ahead and outro this. Um, hope you guys enjoyed everything. I'm gonna cut to you. I'm gonna cut to you. 
give them a little send off. <laughs> this has been Be the official guys. bathtub refinishing podcast powered by bathtub guys. And uh, let me see. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, we're out of here. (laughs) You just listened to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to ask any questions or suggest topics for the next episode by following at Bathtub Guys on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And thanks for listening.